Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. You know, um, this, uh, tonight I want to speak about uh, the life hack of how to experience transformation. I reckon that pretty much everyone is, um, pretty much everyone has, has read something about how to transform your life. And there are, you know, there are a lot of um, uh, magazine articles about how to transform your life. There's a, generally it's in a really short space of time and it, it gives you the impression it's really, really easy. And, uh, and go, it's, uh, you, you can always um, get a six pack in six weeks. And uh, uh, I've discovered it's not true. Um, uh, it, it's taken me um, uh, many decades and I still haven't found it yet. And apparently it's in there, but I believe I only have a one pack. And uh, so, <laughs> so, but uh, you know, apparently everyone, every man has a six pack, but. Uh, I don't know what the women have. I don't know whether they have six packs or not, but uh, I don't even want to go there. Let's change the subject quickly. <laughs> Yesterday I was, uh, I was up in the lect uh, skiing, which sounds very kind of cool, doesn't it? I always used to think about people that go skiing. Anyone who can ski is cool. And um, the difference is I can't, but I was skiing. And uh, so uh, we decided to go up... Um, uh, with, with Boaz and, and Josh, who was uh, playing drums tonight, uh, we, we went up into the, the um, we went up to the to get the final sort of snow. They, they've, they've kind of just taken all the snow that there is left and they've got it onto a few runs. And, and uh, so, so we went, uh, we went um, onto, the, uh, onto the snow and it's not, it wasn't great conditions, to be honest with you. And uh, I was up there about 10 days ago, uh, running on the nursery runs and doing all right, you know, just having some fun, going down, uh, going over some jumps and stuff. I'm not like getting air or anything, just sliding over them. And uh, so, <laughs> but I didn't fall over. That was the important thing. And uh, so, but on this occasion, uh, the nursery run that we had gone on before, it was in my intention to have a couple of goes just to renew myself on the nursery run and then go up onto the proper runs. And so, so what happened this time is we get a, I get onto the, and I go down and the first thing I wipe out and I go down again and I wipe out and I go down again and I, and then, and then I realize it's not me, it's my skis. And uh, so, uh, so I go into the, and actually uh, Fergus, who's in our youth group, he actually works in the Lex Ski Centre. And um, uh, so he swapped the skis for me for his favourite pair. I got a, a shorter pair of skis, who are a little bit easier to use. Uh, and he said, these are, these are really good. So I got them and I put them on and I still wiped out, but not as bad. <laughs> and not as bad. And so uh, we were still, I was going down the nursery run, but eventually I was kind of working it out and I was, I was weaving in and out of people who were out. Because on the nursery run, it's hilarious. It's kind of like a death trap. You've got these, we were still, while you're queuing for the lift, you've got people flying down. There was this one girl, she's coming down. And this was a regular, she's coming down the hill, skis like this, going, <laughs> as if doing that will stop or let anyone know. <laughs> And then eventually just bam, and you're just sliding, taking people out. We saw one guy fly into this woman. They flew into it, and the way they landed, his ski went under her back, 
under her, over top of her arm, so her arm was stuck, and neither of them could move. They were completely pinned to the ground. It was the ultimate lock wrestling position. That was, uh, it, was, it was just hilarious. That was just, it, it was the most dangerous place to be was the nursery run. And uh, so um, Josh persuaded us to go up uh, and uh, to go up onto the hill and, and uh, we were, Josh and Boaz were snowboarding of course because that's what you do when you're young and cool and uh, <laughs> so so they go up onto the they go up onto the run and and uh, by this time I'm I'm kind of feeling a little more confident now um, because I've had some more successful runs I've I've discovered uh, how to use the skis a bit and and, uh, and then and we get up onto what Josh assures me is a blue run. It's not too steep or anything. And, uh, and we get up there and I just take off and, <laughs> and, and not willingly either. You know, I'm just going and it's like, and I just, I, I effectively rolled, crashed um, all the way down the hill. I was sort of sliding, bang, crash, and the skis flying over there. I would get up and <laughs> like this and, and I would... <laughs> And I would go de- further down, and, yeah, and then I would crash. And there's Boaz, who was a little hesitant because he's only just started snowboarding. He was a little hesitant. He's just cool away like this, and just working his way. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what I've discovered is this: in my process of transformation from a non-skier to a skier, there is a lot of pain. Because there is no transformation without pain. It says here in it says here in two Corinthians chapter seven and verse eight. This is Paul. We're reading from the um, New Living Translation for this verse. All the rest, guys, at the back, by the way, is going to be from the King James version, New King James. So it says here in two Corinthians seven verse eight. It says, "I'm not sorry that I sent." that severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I'm glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you, such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, such readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. You see, what we discovered is in the world, the world wants us to believe that it's possible to transform your life without ever admitting your own mistake, without ever facing your own responsibility for your own actions, your own, your own sort of decision-making process. Now, I want you to understand that there is an ability for you to be transformed within your heart. But that transformation has to go through the process of pain, and that pain is called sorrow. And we think the pain is just simply changed, but sorrow is something that comes deep into the heart, and it's something which we run away from. We live in a world where we're not allowed to offend anyone. 
And, you know, offense is one of those tricky things. You hear it being said. You know, you're not allowed to say something which offends. But how do you know whether it's necessarily offensive? It's almost that everything's now become offensive. And I've made a decision in my heart that offense is something that I choose, not something which they give. Because somebody, anybody can say anything. They can be rude and abusive and vile and all kinds of things. And, and that is offensive in our country. But it's only offensive if I'm offended. Well, I've just decided not to be. They can say what they like. That's their problem. They can say it won't do them any good in saying it. But if I get offended, then I take on board whatever they say. I take it on board and I let the poison of it come into me. And now two people are poisoned. The person who said it has poisoned himself. And the person who's received it has become poisoned by it. Well, let people wallow in their own bad thoughts. But I'm not being offended. Not about anything for any reason. I'm just not offended. I'm just not going there. Why? Because it's my choice not to be offended. But I want you to know that the kingdom of God says words and speaks into our heart, which in today's society is considered offensive. But in, in the word of God, it's called sorrow. It said it's time for us to have a look at ourselves and recognize that if we want to be transformed, we have to accept that there are things within our heart, within our life, there are things that we have to simply go through that we have to change and recognize about ourselves that must change. And if we accept that, then we can be transformed. No amount of prayer, no amount of fasting, no amount of giving of gifts, no amount of worship, no amount of great prophecy, no amount of declaration of the Word of God is going to cause that transformation to work if you're not prepared to go through the pain of sorrow. Because sorrow is what leads us into a place of cleanliness. The Bible says that we are being transformed from glory to glory. Well, to get transformed from glory to glory, we've got to let go of where we're at. You see, the amazing thing about transformed from glory to glory that the Bible is speaking about, he's accepting that there is a glory that rests on our life, even though there is huge imperfection. There is a glory of His presence and His salvation and His hope. Because the amazing paradox of the gospel is that we are sinful people, we are failing people, but in the eyes of Christ we're already perfect. And you try to get your head around that. And if I'm already perfect, then what do I need to get perfection? Well, I don't need to do anything to get perfection, but I do need to do things to get transformation. And transformation is understanding that there are things going on in my life that I have to accept if I want to do life better, if I want to hack the, tri- the hardships that I have experienced, if I want to bypass all of that pain, I have to accept that the, there are simply ways that I'm doing life that are just aren't that smart. If I keep finding that I'm coming around to the same pain each time, then it must be obvious that at some point in my life, I got to recognize that I'm doing something wrong. And you know, I have discovered this. 
I've discovered that I haven't experienced any transformation or any breakthrough without pain. I've discovered that every great breakthrough in my life has come through by pain. And that is the hardship of life. That's Because we don't want to feel pain. We don't want to feel those things. We just want to feel the love, soft, just nice Jesus coming and holding us and, and the rich power of the Holy Spirit and His presence to richly just flow over us and tell us it's all going to be okay. And this is the thing, it is going to be okay, but He wants us, He doesn't just want it to be okay, He wants it to be better. He wants us to be, that there is far more that He has ordained for our life than we can possibly speak or possibly imagine. How do I go from glory to glory? At some point in this life that I'm living, I have to accept and go, you know what, perhaps there's something in my life that I'm not doing that smart. Maybe there is something in my life that I'm just doing wrong. And that's the thing that we come to. Now, this is, this is the issue of doing wrong. It's, in the Bible, it's called sin. And we struggle with the word sin because we don't really feel like we are sinners. We live in a society where the word sin is kind of, it's so kind of like cliched. And it's cliched to certain things. I haven't sinned, I didn't kill anyone. Hopefully. I haven't sinned, I haven't stolen anything. I haven't sinned, I haven't lied. That's a lie. I haven't... <laughs> there's, this, there's a great debate and discussion about how much we lie. It turns out that everybody lies every day. And uh, that's the, uh, that's, they've done a huge study on it, which is a bit tricky. You're left going... <laughs> okay, so... So we don't... <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't deliberately lied. I haven't told a long, big story. I haven't lied much. So... <laughs> I haven't sinned. We, we think of sin. I haven't. Oh, I definitely don't do drugs. I'm not a sinner. I, well, coffee, but I'm not sure that. Uh, <laughs> you weigh it up, you know. <laughs> Gives you a good feeling. You know, <laughs> is it a drug? You know, there there are there are sins. We speak about sin, but this is what the Bible says about sin. Let me go with me, will you, to Hebrews, chapter nine. Because I want you to see that we have to come to a point where we could admit our own mistakes. And that is found in Hebrews 9, 14. It says this. In Hebrews 9, 14, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. It says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What is it that we should repent? Earlier in Hebrews, it said that we should repent from dead works. And dead works is something different from just sin. Sin is about that deliberate act of rebellion against God. Sin is something which you know you're doing it wrong, but you do it anyway. You remember, as children are really good at that, aren't they? And you would remember as a child, you know it's wrong, 
but you do it anyway. Even while I'm telling you, I'm, images are flashing up in my mind as children. And just one image, I remember as a child, I remember getting, getting a Kit Kat. Now, a Kit Kat for me, as a kid who was quite poor, was, was a magnificent thing. It was like this, this rare treat that I got this Kit Kat, and it would come, I don't know if they still do, in a silver foil wrapper. Do you remember? The, it would come in a silver foil wrapper, and then a sleeve would, would come over it. I don't know if you can still get them, but they... Um, Get them like that, but I would. T- I took off the seat and I ate the Kit Kat, and I've got this foil, and I got this foil. And I thought to myself, and I just started rubbing it on the wall in the toilets. And I discovered I could write things. I I, I graffitied the toilets, aged eight, and I and I got it, and I started. Gra- the only foolish thing is I put my name, and uh, <laughs> and yet worked that out. You see, I'm an early graffitist. I, you know. I was, it was early in my career. <laughs> but I knew it was wrong. And it was, amazing. It was an amazing... It was a, don't try it, but it works. <laughs> On that kind of glossy paintwork that school toilets are painted with. And, they, and it was just, it just brilliant. And I wrote all over it. And, it was, and then I was the one who had to clean it off. But it didn't clean off very well. And I was in there for hours. <laughs> but I knew it was wrong. That's, that's sin. Sin is something. But dead works is something else altogether. Dead works are things that we think we should do. Things we want to do. But they're not things that God has asked us to do. And the Bible says, if you want to be transformed, it's not sin that specifically, sin is an issue, but it's not sin we're talking about. We're talking about dead works. And that ups the game completely. That's like, well, what's dead works? Well, dead works are works of our life that we haven't submitted to God. And they're works in our life which we have yet to find how to live before God. And that's this moment where you're living through life and you don't even know you've got a dead work. But suddenly the light come dawns on you as you begin to pray and you go, I'm just not doing life very well. This thought comes through your head, maybe I've just got a dead work that I need to just say, God, I'm sorry. I need to change. Because we're not allowing God, dead work is not allowing God to have supremacy over every aspect of our life. A dead work is us saying, well, this is my patch, my time. God, I've given you Sunday nights and Wednesdays. God, I've given you, <laughs> I've given you the half hour um, in, the, in the morning for the reading time. Admittedly, I don't do it every day. But God, you know my intention. <laughs> We say all of these things. I like the way people say, but God knows the intention of my heart. I want to say to you, whatever you did, that was your intention. (laughs) Whatever you say you were going to do, that was never your intention. (laughs) And so what happens is we have these dead works. Dead works are the things that we have created, the things that we have designed, but we have to come to a point where we've got to repent from them. You know, when Paul was writing this letter about sorrow to the church, he was writing to the Corinthian church. Now, the Corinthian church is like the 21st century church. It's a, it's a very liberated world. Um, it's, uh, they they uh, worshipped in the temple of Diana. And there was all kinds of relationships going on amongst different people. And it was just anything goes, pretty much. Uh, and people were getting saved in that environment, but they were coming into the church, but they didn't really know where the boundary lines lay. They just didn't know. 
got to bear in mind that the only Bible available is the Old Testament and that was pretty much controlled by the Pharisees. So the New Testament's being written as they're there. <laughs> it's like, do we have any more Bible? Paul's going, will you wait and hurry on and write again? <laughs> so they're writing the Bible as they go. <laughs> and here's the church. They don't know the boundary lines. They don't know what their responsibilities are. They've given their life to Jesus. They've repented all of their sin. And then they're still up to stuff they shouldn't be doing. And Paul comes along and he goes, listen, I understand that you've got a fella there and he um, has a rather immoral relationship with his mother. Could be his stepmother, we're not sure. But it's kind of like, even in today's society, it's still a bit of a kind of, yeah, no, that's not really right. We don't do that. And so in the church, they were going to, but the church was kind of like, it's okay. You know what? We just love Jesus and Jesus forgives everybody and it's all grace and it's all okay. And Paul is going, look guys, that's not okay. If you want to go from glory to glory, you have to deal with this. It's called a dead work. It is a sin, but it's a dead work because they didn't really know what they were doing. And once they realized what they were doing, then they knew that it was wrong. Then they began to realize that they could change. See, sometimes we just don't know what we're doing. But once we do know what we're doing, the opportunity for transformation of our lives is found in our repentance. Not in the cleverness of the way we do life. If I, we think that if I can be transformed, I'm be transformed if I just pray louder. I read the Bible more. But it's not found in that. The transformation is found in your repentance because your repentance leads you into a place of closer unity with God. It draws you closer to the throne room. And what happens is there becomes a unity of heart. There comes the, the, it comes into a point where you have admitted that your attitude is wrong. Maybe you've had an opinion about your spouse, your husband or your wife, and you've just had to admit that maybe you were wrong. You had an opinion about different aspects of your friendships and you just had to admit that you were wrong. You had an opinion, an attitude about how you were living life and and just about the way you're timekeeping and all of those things. And you were you would say, Oh well you know, it doesn't matter. But you know, I want you to know that, that God is saying to you there are things that matters that you haven't, you just haven't been hearing it. But in a church environment, it's very difficult for us to come into a place of exposing all of those things because we want to lead people on a journey of grace as they find God. But I want you to know if you want transformation, transformation is found in sorrow. And sorrow is, is the realization that we are sinners and we do need to repent. And sinners repenting is the most liberating, the most wonderful experience you could ever have. For every person here who remembers the day they gave their life to Jesus Christ, that is a day that is marked in your diary as just the best day of your life. Can I say to you, you can have that best day on a regular basis by giving your life to Jesus Christ. You're not getting born again, again, again. <laughs> but your life is being transformed again, again, again. There is a process of transformation. 
when I go back up the let the next time it snows I don't think I want to go up on that sloppy ice again but the next time I go up I want to come into a place where I want to be able to just ski I want to be able to but I know that I can't get there until someone has told me what I'm doing wrong I can't get I said to Cheryl I texted Cheryl I said the boys have gone up on the blue run I've decided to go back to the cafe uh, I'm too old, too tired. <laughs> and I've had an awesome day, but <laughs> I can't get from that next point from there to there until someone's telling me what I'm doing wrong. I just can't do it. I just can't work it out in my own head. You know what? The Bible says, let's hear, let's read, go back to James because I want to do this before we get to this level. He says, just see that this godly sorrow produced in you such earnestness, such concern, such to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me. You see, it was Paul's letter to them. They, he exposed it and they desired to spend time with him. Their longing for him is what enabled them to come to a place and go, you know what, we accept that we've made a mistake. This is a mistake. We didn't realize we were making a mistake, but we do now. And so they were able to change. They were able to come into a place of rightness and the transformation that God was able to continue to move in the Corinthian church doing extraordinary works, extraordinary miracles. I want you to know that God is leading you into a place. If you're prepared to come before men and say, do you know what? I just want you to know that I need to repent before God. You're able, you know, it says of the, um, uh, the son, um, the prodigal son in Luke 15, verse 20. Let me just read this to you. It says, So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. You see, here is a young man who found repentance. He found that the brokenness, the sorrow of his heart, he found the solution was in the repentance before men toward God. And I, really, I want you to under, understand there have been many deep times. I've repent, I repent before God, but the great times of restoration is when I'm humbled in, with my brothers, with those who my oversight, when I've come before them and said, look, you know what, I just don't think I've done this very well. And, re- I'm just, and I'm just coming before God and I'm just saying sorry. And you know what, Do you know, those are the great moments of my life. It's a bit of a kind of a sailor right there. I know we've been having some fun, but, but those moments, <laughs> I want you to understand that this, I, I want you to grab the liberty of this and not feel the oppression of it. I don't want you to feel oppressed. I don't want to feel like, I've got got to work up some kind of repentance now. I want you to know that the hand of God is upon your life and he's leading you into a place of going, okay, let's reassess where you're at. If you can see with me where your mistake is, why don't you bring that before me? Why don't you admit that? Why don't you have humility of heart? You see, transformation comes from 
sorrow. And sorrow leads to repentance. And repentance leads to transformation. It's in that work. It says, where am I now? I'm in the wrong place. It says here in in Luke chapter 12 and verse 8, it says this. As I finish on this, it says, Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. We speak about this, about giving your life to Jesus. But I want to say to you that if you are prepared within your heart, in the humility of your heart, I'm not talking about a public meeting. I'm just talking about within the humility of your relationship, within your brothers and sisters in the church, with people that you trust, that you can just say, I just need to repent before God. I just need to honor, lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I need to lift him up and declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to confess him over my weakness. I'm going to confess Christ over my mistakes. I'm going to confess Christ over my dead works. And I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to be ashamed of that humbling experience. Because this is the beauty of... This is the beauty of being Christian. It is impossible to live your life for Christ and live with a proud heart that won't repent. You just can't do it. You can fake it. You can, you can come to church, but there's nothing going on on the inside. And to be honest with you, I just don't see the point. I honestly don't see the point of even going to church if nothing's going on on the inside. I like my garden. I like, I like trips. There are lots of other things I could do if I wasn't in here. Does that make sense to you? There's no, I don't see any point of faking a Christian life. What I believe is what draws us all here into this house. This desire to have the real Savior, Jesus Christ, do something magnificent in our lives. And the only way to get there is by the humility of saying, Jesus, yeah, I just made a mistake, didn't I? I'm really sorry. God, lead me into that place where I can be transformed by your word sometimes it's a small prayer sometimes it's a little thing other times it's heart wrenching there have been heart wrenching moments in our lives heart wrenching when I've discovered that I've had a bad attitude and I've even verbalized that attitude and sometimes you just like it just gets immune before you know where you are you're, you're confessing all sorts of negative things and and then you have to stop and you come to a point and go, God never called me to this. I wasn't called to this kind of confession, this kind of verbalization. I want to. And you come before God and you repent. And suddenly, your world gets transformed again. The weight of the sorrow. You see, the world promises you a six pack in six weeks. But it brings no relief because you never get it. You never get it. It says you can have transformation without the sorrow. 
but you never get the transformation. It never delivers on the promise. And that's why the sorrow remains. I would rather have the sorrow of God's exposure of my sin, realizing that I have an eternity of joy when I recognized at that small moment in time I've made a mistake. But God's love and grace for me leads me into a place of complete redemption. And now I'm transformed. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com.